And hey, if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn or click to Luke 4 or John chapter 8. And while you're turning or clicking there, I just want to take a moment and just kind of underline something that Pastor Eddie unpacked a little bit for us in the offering devotional today. And that is the, the vision for Heart for the Kingdom. And in fact, right now in the seat back in front of you, there is a new booklet. It's been revised, updated. There's some fresh and new content in that book. And I want to encourage you, I want to ask you even right now, would you just put your hands on that book and just begin to just uh, browse through it and look at it while I just take a couple of minutes and just share with you the heart behind Heart for the Kingdom. And you know, our church has, has for a long time, for the history of our church, we've been generous towards missions. But we began as an eldership a year and a half ago to since the Lord really began to visit us and challenge us to think differently about how we, we resource and communicate and activate the church, you and I, to engage in what we are up to as a church regarding local, regional, national, and international missions. We began to dream as we began to hear from God. We began to sense that he was leading us to a season of greater impact. And we began to imagine what was possible if we would say yes to what he was inviting us to. And it's not an obligation, it's an invitation. We began to dream about what would be possible if we said yes to this renewed, expanded vision for missions and outreach that we believe the Lord has called heart for the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is Jesus' primary message. And in the New Testament, Jesus himself only used the word church twice, but he used the word kingdom over a hundred times in the NIV translation. He's about building the kingdom of God. We want to be a church that builds God's kingdom. Here's what that's about. It's about us getting the message, getting the ministries, getting the people of God outside of the four walls of the church into the places, into the communities, into the workplaces, into the mission field, into the schools, into the other local ministries that are already doing a good work so that we can build the kingdom in our city. How many believe that that's not only what's possible, but that's gonna be what's required for us to see cultural and community transformation in the name of Jesus? It's the church beginning to become activated and taking the message, taking the hope, taking the healing, taking the blessing of Jesus to the people, to the places where the kingdom of God is currently not operating and introducing the heart of God, the will of God, the goodness of God, the forgiveness of Jesus, the faith and the hope for their future into that place. That's what God is inviting us to in an increased way through heart for the kingdom. We begin to sense the Lord call us and challenge us and say, listen, it's an exciting vision Many people would amen what we just said right there, but it's gonna require us as a church to think and live differently. It's gonna require us as a church to answer the bell and live out what Matthew 6.33 challenges us to, even commands us to, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the promise on the other side of that command is rich. And it says, in all these things, speaking contextually about all the other things we tend to be consumed with and worry about God providing for us, he said, if you'll seek my kingdom, first, all the other things in your life, I'll meet your needs. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. And so the heart for the kingdom is our response to what we fervently and sincerely believe as an eldership God is inviting us to. And that is to be more strategic in the way that we communicate in the, with you as a church family, in the way that we seek God and listen to heaven to say, Lord, what is it that you are calling us 
too. We were very faithful and very generous for a lot of years, but we began to understand it was sort of happening behind the scenes and it was sort of happening on autopilot. And we began to say, let's be more intentional. Let's be more strategic about how we seek God and how we involve and engage the church family in serving in giving and in going to build the kingdom. And so the Lord began to challenge us and say, you're gonna have to be faithful, you're gonna have to be generous, and you're gonna have to think strategically in the area of your time, in the area of your talent, and in the area of, of your treasure. In other words, we're gonna have to be faithful to serve and faithful to give. We're gonna have to be generous with our time to say, Lord, send me that area, that challenge, that problem, that need in our community. I'm willing, I've got a lot of other things and places I could be, be and things I could be doing, but I'm gonna say yes to be generous with my time to go and help and to serve and to reveal Jesus to those people and to be strategic. And that involves what we're pointing to on May 2nd, which is twice a year, we're going to have an offering where we cast vision, we celebrate testimonies from the recent ministries of heart for the kingdom. We, we provide an on-ramp for people that are new to the church to understand that this is what we're building as part of the culture of our church, that we want to be a church that builds God's kingdom. And so the invitation to you today is, would you just pray how you can support everything that's in that book, but with a, with a, with a faithful, generous, and strategic approach. And one of the things, I'll, and I'll wrap, I'll, I'll land it right here, and we'll pray over this time. But one of the things that the Lord challenged us to do, again, was to be strategic and saying, Lord, what are you doing? What are you calling us to? We wanna think beyond. We're grateful for what you've already done and the people you've allowed us to reach and a pastor and to care for, but what are you calling us to do that might require us to step out in faith as a church family? But if we'll say yes on the other side of that step of faith and obedience, there would be broader kingdom impact, which is always about people's lives being touched and reached and changed for Jesus Christ. And so the Lord began to challenge us and to say, spend time with me, pray and ask me, and there are several things that the Lord quickly began to put on our heart. One is that he's calling us to begin to believe in the next two to four years that we will step out and begin to plant and establish additional Rev City churches and campuses. That throughout, throughout our region, Lawrence, Topeka, Kansas City, and even broader throughout the world, the Lord's calling us to begin to think about what would, what would be required for us to raise up leaders, train up teams, and send people into communities to establish life-giving churches that serve as a beacon of hope and a, and a place where people can discover what it looks like and, and feels like to live a life of freedom and victory in Jesus. We also began to believe that the Lord was challenging us to begin to prayerfully and intentionally seek for a property in our community where we could establish the Rev City Dream Center. And from that property, from that place that we would acquire and renovate and bring it up to a standard of excellence that is pleasing to God, we would offer services and ministries to people in need in our community. Food assistance, clothing assistance, job training, addiction counseling, uh, school supplies, all kinds of things that we would have a dedicated presence in our community where people, when they have a need, they know that there's a place where people will pray for them and come alongside them to help them in the name of Jesus. But the other thing that the Lord really put on our heart was to reach out to the Kansas Department of Corrections. And again, can you see, these are things that are near and dear to the heart of God in the Bible. That true religion is taking care of widows and orphans and people that are in prison. And so, so this is the heart for the kingdom. This is us saying, Lord, okay, how can we go and do this in faithful, generous, and strategic ways? And we contacted the Kansas Department of Corrections and we began to have conversations with some precious dear people that serve in that, that, that uh, statewide ministry, that statewide um, um, uh, institution. And we, here was the question we asked, what could we as a church, Rev City Church, we have a heart to build the kingdom in our community. What could we do that would be a blessing to the men and women 
who are currently housed in the Kansas Department of Corrections. We talked about several different options, but the Lord began to just highlight one strategically and specifically, and that was that there's a tremendous need for discipleship resources and content to be piped into the Kansas Juvenile Correctional Complex, which houses every teenager that's been convicted of a serious crime, and it's right here in Topeka, Kansas. And at any given time, up to 200 young people, teenagers, are, are there in that facility. And COVID pandemic had shut down and interrupted and cut off all the discipleship content and spiritual input that those young people were receiving. And how many you know they need to hear about the God who loves them, cares for them, has forgiven them, and has faith and hope for their future? So here's what we began to say. We said, well, what would it look like if Rev City Church, through our Heart for the Kingdom Fund, would come alongside you and we would invest, we would provide all the, the networking, all the infrastructure, all the audiovisual equipment, all the technology that would be necessary and required for us to live stream and provide discipleship content of all of our Rev City services and youth services and events. And they said, well, that would be awesome. And we said, yeah, because not only would we have the ability to, to bring in our, our, our ministries and our services and our youth events and discipleship content, but then all throughout the week when we weren't using it, you guys could use it for educational and other spiritual content to help these young people discover a life that's filled with future, a life that's filled with the future. And they said, well, that would be awesome. And we said, we prayed about it and the Lord said, let's trust God for the resources that are needed. We've been conducting those meetings. We've gathered all the, the, the budgets and the materials and everything that are necessary, and we are right on the cusp of seeing all that technology installed so that we can begin to reach those precious men and women, in the, young men and women in that facility. Come on, someone ought to say thanks to God and amen, and that's exciting, right? That's exciting. So that's the strategic project that we're right on the cusp on, and that's what we're asking you. Everything that's in that book, local outreach, the Thanksgiving outreach where we go and we feed, we bring food to over 300 families in, in November. This offering and this ongoing fund, many churches have a general fund, a missions fund, and a building fund, and in a sense, that's what we're establishing. Asking you to be faithful to tie it to support the ongoing ministries of the church. Asking you to be generous to the Heart for the Kingdom Fund and strategic towards the Heart for the Kingdom Fund. That's our missions and outreach endeavor. And then the Legacy Building Fund is the fund from which we renovated this facility in the last couple years, and the fund from which in the future, when we have the opportunity to buy some land or buy a building that will eventually become that outreach center or, or, a, or a new church campus, it'll happen through that Legacy Fund. So well, thanks for giving me a few minutes because this is important. It's more than just an announcement. It's part of what God is calling us to do is build this into the culture of our church. So I hope it's exciting to you and encouraging. I hope you wanna be a part of a church that thinks beyond the four walls of the church and wants to bring about community impact, amen? Hey, let's pray over it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the invitation. It's not an obligation, and we say yes to your invitation. We know, Lord, that it's what is, we're thankful for what's possible, and we see and know it's actually going to be what's required to see community transformation for the good and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we, we say yes, and I thank you, Lord, that this church family would lean in. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't feel compelled or obligated, but they would just sense the opportunity and the invitation to partner with you to see many good things and, and many kingdom initiatives established and furthered, Lord, in Lawrence, in our region, and all throughout the globe. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to begin to reach the, the Kansas uh, Correctional Complex for Juveniles, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Right now, we just pray, can you just see in your spirit the young people who are going to respond to the gospel and see how their life and their future and even future generations of their family is going to be impacted and transformed because of this season where we're saying yes to God. And I just thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I pray that this church would just rally around this vision and we look back and just celebrate all that you do in us and through us and for, for your people. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, 
Amen, amen. Can we just give the Lord a clap and just thank him for what he's doing? And so, so we really are, I mean, we're just right on the cusp of installing all that equipment for the, for the juvenile correctional complex. And after the COVID pandemic stuff begins to lift, we're gonna also begin announcing the opportunity to come and be a part of the teams of people that we're gonna train up and raise up and send in to that center, to that facility to come alongside those young people and to hear their stories and to hold their hand and to pray with them and bless them and encourage them and disciple them to know Jesus and discover his future for their life. Amen, sound, sound exciting? All right, let's dig into God's word today. Again, if you have your Bible, uh, open up to Luke chapter four or John chapter eight. We'll also spend quite a bit of time in Romans chapter eight and going to continue today our second message in our series called Free Indeed. And listen, the, the heart behind this series is to help you discover and know in a new or a fresh or a deeper way the heart of the Lord for you, for you, for every believer, every man, every woman, every young person is to discover and live in and enjoy a life of freedom and victory in every area of your life, in every area of your life. Listen, Jesus came to do so much more in your life than just give you a ticket to heaven. And listen, that's a glorious promise. James says, the book of James says that life on this side of eternity is but a vapor. It's a fleeting moment. It's a passing glimpse. And listen, I'm thankful that I'm going to spend eternity with my heavenly father because of the price that Jesus paid for me. Someone ought to say amen. amen. But listen, he also came to do some things on this side of eternity. And the Bible is clear about it. Luke 19.10 says this, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That does have to do with eternity and salvation. John 10, 10 says this, that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But listen, these are red letter words in your Bible. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. 1 John 3, 8 gives us another thing that Jesus is, 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 has come to do in our lives. And it says this, the son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And listen, that word save in Luke 19, 10 is the Greek word sozo. Allow me the grace to just catch us up to speed, kind of recap a few things from last week's message to ensure that everyone is kind of on the same footing and the foundation for the series. That Greek word sozo is the word that we translate to save. But if you dig into the context of the word, and there's a much more comprehensive meaning to us than, than just to save. It means to save, to rescue, to deliver, and not just to deliver out of something, but to deliver to a place of secure, abundant provision. When you got saved, that's what Jesus did. He didn't just save you just so you can just kind of skirt, barely make it into heaven. He came that you might be saved out of the life you were living into a place of freedom and victory and provision and abundance. He came that you might have life, and that wasn't a strong enough way to say it, life abundantly. Someone ought to say, thank you, Lord. Luke chapter four, we see Jesus quoting Isaiah 61, which was a prophecy about the anointing, the grace, the calling that would rest upon the promised Messiah. And I think later on in the chapter, I think it's verse 21, Jesus, it says that Jesus started this reading of this scripture by saying, what I'm about to read to you today is being accomplished or fulfilled in your midst today. And it says he stood up, he was in his hometown of Nazareth, and he opened the Bible in the, in the church, in the synagogue, and he began to read from Isaiah 61, and here's what he read. And, he, and remember, he, he has just stated, what I'm about to read is being fulfilled in your midst today. And it says this, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners 
recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see here what we just read about, that he came to seek and save the lost. He came to bring life abundantly. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And right here we see four things that Jesus is saying. I'm the Christ. I'm the anointed one. What the prophets of old had spoken about and pointed to, I'm here to accomplish it. And here's my mission, to preach the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Hope for a future, spiritual sight, faith and vision for your future. The blessing, the favor, the abundance, the provision of God, the abundant life of God and also to proclaim freedom for the captives and freedom for those who are oppressed. And you'll, it's interesting, I think it just emphasizes the heart of God for you to really walk in, to realize, to discover and enjoy a life of freedom. It's the only one that's emphasized twice. Freedom for the captives, freedom for those who are oppressed. And you know, the Bible doesn't mince or waste words. And I can appreciate that. I think he's actually pointing to two different situations or circumstances in our life. And what I know about my life, just use me for an example, is that there's some things that where I have willfully or in rebellion or pride sinned against God. And I really, if, if when push comes to, sh to shove, I'm really guilty in the matter and I actually could deserve some prison time because of my own pride, my own rebellion, my own sin. Remember, Jesus is saying, I'm coming to set free the prisoners and the oppressed. There's some ways in my own life where I'm really deserving of some jail time. There's some other areas in my life where I've experienced some bondage or some heaviness or some oppression because of things that were done to me that I never deserved or expected. I didn't deserve or expect as a five-year-old boy to have the eight-year-old boy who lived across the apartment complex to introduce me to Playboy magazine. And there was a captivity, there was an oppression. And I'm telling you, in your life, there might be some places where you deserve the jail time because you made willful decisions or sin. And, you, and, and, and the Lord Jesus says, the, the places where, where you could even deserve to be imprisoned, I'm coming to set you free from those things. And in the places where you never could have deserved, you didn't expect, and it never should have happened to you, that abuse, that, that, that physical, verbal, or sexual abuse, that, that manipulation, whatever it is, where it opened the door for the enemy to bring oppression into your life, he said, for those things as well, I'm coming to set you free. And everything in between, isn't that good news? God has a heart for you to walk in freedom. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom, say freedom, that Christ has set us free, you and I. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Bible wouldn't say it if it didn't realize that it was possible to be true, that we could experience a freedom. But whenever, oftentimes it happened with the people of Israel as they had left Egypt, they had been rescued in a miraculous way out of their bondage towards the promised land of God. And it wasn't but a few days and the things that they had just been set free from were chasing them down. Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen. I wonder who else maybe has thought you were set free from something and it's tried to chase you down. And he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Be careful, guard this thing, protect this thing, steward this thing well. Don't allow yourself to slip back into the yoke of bondage or the place of slavery. And in this series, our heart for you is to understand God's heart for you to live in victory and freedom. Freedom from the pain of your past. Just a few things that are on our heart to help you to discover and walk in through this series. Freedom from the pain of your past, we're gonna talk about that today. Freedom from condemnation and from legalism. Freedom from strongholds of sin, things you just perpetually seem to be struggling with, fear, anger, lust. 
freedom from inner vows, things that because of maybe hurt, pain, or trauma, you've made a determination and a commitment, and maybe you've even outward verbalized it and said, because of that thing I went through, I will never let someone get close to me again. I will never get close to someone else again. I will never allow myself to be in that position again. No one's gonna hurt me again. And because you've made that inner vow, you've made yourself Lord over that situation in your life, and it's limiting your ability to walk in the relationships and the intimacy that God desires for you in your life. Freedom from inner vows, freedom from word curses, things that were spoken or leveled against you. Freedom from, and they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Come on, whoever wrote that or said that was a liar. Freedom from word curses, freedom from mental strongholds or mindsets that have kept you captive. Freedom from generational iniquities, which are, the Bible speaks clearly about our mindsets or patterns of behavior that may have been intentionally or unintentionally just through example handed down to you. And in some of these areas, we need discipleship. Some of these things that we wrestle with and struggle with are just because of our fallen nature and the fact that we have a fallen flesh. But there are some places, the Bible is clear in the book of Ephesians, that there's also a spiritual battle over your life. It's clear, and it says in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Someone say mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, catch this, this is black and white right here. It's so clear. This, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, say stand. stand. Listen, God's heart for you is to be equipped to learn how to win the spiritual battle over your life. There's some places where we need discipleship and there's some places where we need deliverance. There's, a, there's some places where we need to, to grow in our ability to take up our cross and defeat the, the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. And there's also some places where maybe there have been some open doors in our life where we really need to learn and apprehend and begin to live out and walk out the authority of Jesus Christ over the spiritual realm, over your, your heart, your life, your mind, your marriage, your family, your children, and your future. Listen, this is good news because some of the things that you've thought you were wrestling against your spouse or your boss or a person or a political party, maybe it's not all about that. Maybe there really is a spiritual battle and that maybe there really are spiritual weapons that God's word says are not carnal, which means not according to the world. They're not the weapons that the world tends to use, but they are spiritual weapons that are mighty for the pulling down of those strongholds. Some of you through this series are gonna find out, you're gonna find a pathway to a new or fresh level of freedom. You've been struggling in the flesh. You've been struggling in your own strength. You've been trying to apply the weapons of the world. And through this series, you're gonna apprehend and discover, be discipled and equipped in the spiritual weapons that God has given you to live in a new level of freedom and victory. Someone ought to say amen. amen. Come on, who wants to live in the freedom of Jesus? Just a few of you? I better ask it again. Come on, we could do better than that. Who wants to live in the freedom of Jesus and the victory of Jesus? Come on, you guys gotta work with me. You gotta work with me. Come on, I appreciate, I appreciate um, what Jack Hayford said. He said, um, he said, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. So do we need discipleship or deliverance? Both. We need both. And through this series, we're gonna equip you in both. All right, our key scripture, John chapter eight. And let's pray before we dive into John chapter eight and unpack it. It's amazing as I've studied this scripture, 
And you'll see in a moment, if you weren't a part of it last week, you'll see it's the key scripture for our series. It's where the title for the series comes from. As I've just been meditating on this passage, it's been amazing how God's been unpacking things. I preached out of this, this passage last week. I'm preaching out of it again today, and it's an entirely different message. And it's just a few verses. But let's pray and let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to receive what he wants to speak to us, reveal to us, do in us today. I'll pray over us corporately, but right where you are, come on, man of God. Woman of God, would you open your heart? Would you pray? Would you invite the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in your life? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the precious people of God. What a privilege it is to be in your house, in your presence, and to visit your promises today. We see clearly in your word already, Lord, that your heart is for us to experience and realize and live out a life of freedom and victory. And Lord, in any place in our life where we're weak or weary or wounded or hurting or struggling, with, with in, in, in any area, Lord, anyway, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, we present that place to you today. And we thank you, Lord, that through the power of your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would bring fresh faith, that you would bring renewed hope, Lord, that you would bring hope and healing to situations and circumstances. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that every person in the sound of my voice in this room and joining us online would come out of this time today changed and different than they arrived today, that they would be set free, a new level, a new, a new place of understanding the freedom and the victory that Jesus paid such a high price at Calvary for us to have access to as the men and women of God, as believers and Christ followers. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today in advance in Jesus' name and all of God's precious people said, amen. amen, amen. John chapter 8, verse 31, and it says this, to the Jews who had believed in him, he's speaking to believers, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, verse 33, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? We dug into it in depth last week, but isn't this an amazing statement? Had they read the Old Testament that we have access to? They said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. If you read the Old Testament, they were in bondage to a lot of people. It's one of the first battles that we have to win is understanding that every one of us has a need for freedom. None of us is above the need for additional levels of discipleship and deliverance. And reading on verse 34, Jesus replied and he said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In verse 33, they said, we're Abraham's descendants. And what you'll see if you kind of think about it and allow, allow the Lord to bring revelation to you through this passage is that their inability to correctly deal with their past kept them from walking in the freedom and the future that Jesus was inviting them to. And listen, the same is true for us. To walk in freedom towards your future, you will have to be set free of the pain of your past. I'm gonna make a strong statement, but I believe it to be true. You absolutely cannot Run in freedom towards the future that God has for you and is inviting you to if you are weighed down by or tethered to the pain of your past. And even the Apostle Paul understood this was key. In, Ephesians, in Philippians, rather, chapter 3, and verse 13 is the passage that many of us are familiar with. It's the one that makes it on refrigerator magnets. But I want to back up and read verse 12 and then read the subsequent verse, verse 14 and 15. But starting in verse 12, it says this, and this is the Apostle Paul writing. I want you to remember that. 
the Apostle Paul, responsible for writing over a third of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and here's what he says. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, talking about all the things that the Lord has invited him to as a disciple of Jesus, but he says, or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. In other words, he's saying there's some things on this side of eternity that Jesus came and died and gave his life and went to the tomb and then rose again forevermore to connect me to on this side of eternity. And I'm pressing into those things. I'm gonna take hold of those things. Those purposes and those callings and those places that God has called me to go and to do and to be and to speak. I'm taking a hold of those things and I'm pursuing them. I haven't figured it all out. He saying, but I'm moving forward towards the call of God in my life. And he says in verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Somebody say one thing. What's the one thing? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on, verse 14, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Us, you and me, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. He's saying if you're going to be spiritually mature, if you're going to grow in God, if you're going to accomplish something for God, you're going to have to understand what I've apprehended. I've got a lot of room to go. I've got a lot of things that I haven't quite figured out yet. But this one thing I've understood is that to move forward in faith towards the future that God has for me, this one thing I've understood, I've got to deal with the pain of my past. If it was important enough for the Apostle Paul wouldn't we believe that it's important for you and me? You cannot move forward in faith to the future that God has for you if you remain weighed down or tethered to the pain of your past. Catch this, Romans chapter eight. Now we're in Romans chapter eight. This is powerful. It's a little deep, but it's powerful. And I think you'll see something significant in these two passages that we're about to read that many of us are probably familiar with. I believe, at least for me, there's something I saw in a unique or different way than I've ever seen before as I've read these passages. Romans chapter eight, there's a verse that we're trying to get to a little further down in the chapter, but let's back up and read a few scriptures for context, starting in verse 31. And it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, that's good news. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, you and me, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Because it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died and more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's not just writing this to the people of the day. He's writing this knowing that the Spirit of God was inspiring this because he knew that in this moment you and I would need to hear this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And reading on verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And reading on verse 38, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone ought to give thanks and say amen. 
But I want to show you something. And it gets a little deep, but it's powerful. He's saying all these things that cannot separate us from the love of Christ. And he says, neither the present nor the future. And I noticed something for the first time. There's something missing there. Neither the present nor the future can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's something missing here. The past. The past. He says the present and the future cannot separate you from the love of God. But I believe that the word of God doesn't waste words. It doesn't mince words. And what the word of God says, it really means. And is it possible that he's really trying to show us something that the apostle Paul has just told us in the book of Philippians, that there's one thing that I understand could keep me from running forward into, in faith to the future that God has for me. And that's if I'm unwilling to present the pain of my past in the presence of God. Is it possible that he's saying right here, the, the, the present and the future can't keep you from this but he doesn't address the past because he realizes what Paul was unpacking for us, that if you do not deal with the pain of your past, you risk forfeiting some of what God has invited you to in your future because you cannot. He said this one thing. He said, I got a lot to learn about how to love God and serve God and love God's people and do life with God. I've got a lot to learn, but there's one thing I've understood. If I'm gonna move forward, I gotta learn how to deal with the pain of my past. And I'm telling you the same is true for you. In my own life, I realized that um, I, was, I would occasionally um, deal with an outburst of anger. And I, under, I realized as I began to just meditate on why it was, I mean, I, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. I, 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 was, I regretted it. I, I felt bad about it. And so I started saying, Lord, what is it? What is it? Because I, 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 want, I don't want to just, that's the fruit on the tree, but I want to deal with the root of the matter. And listen, I, I believe many of us, many people who struggle with things like anger or lust or fear or criticism or, or whatever it is that you might struggle with, many of us, that's the, that's the fruit issue, but there's a root matter. And I began to just meditate with the Lord. And as I was doing it, the Lord spoke to me and he said, many people choose, instead of meditating with me, they choose to medicate their issue. And I'm not speaking against, you know, some some justifiable things that you might do to help bring balance to your body or whatever. But I'm just saying, there's, the Lord has a heart to heal and restore and bring freedom. I began to present that thing and the Lord began to show me how there was a root issue of, of, from pain in my past tied to rejection. And I began to spend time with the Lord. And even this weekend, I wanna give you a praise report. Even this weekend, through some of the ministry that happened in the EXO conference, I received a new level of freedom. I hope this is okay that your pastor would confess and admit that I have frailties and faults and places where I'm still growing in God. I realized that the anger was the fruit of the matter. The pain of the past was the root of the matter. And I believe that it's true for almost every one of you and every person that struggles with anything, anger, fear, lust, addiction. It's almost always a root issue and people that struggle with those things aren't worse than anyone else. Maybe they just haven't in the fullness of the way that God has invited and intended, presented the pain of their past in the presence of an almighty God who's the only one who has the ability to set you free and heal you in a way that you can begin to walk forward towards your future. Neither the present nor the future can separate you from the love of Christ, but the pain of your past can keep you from the future he has for you. And it gets even better. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter three. We'll, we'll land it here. This is powerful. This is deep. This is powerful. And, and read along with me, verse 21. It says, I don't wanna hear any of you bragging about yourself or anyone else. 
And, and he's writing to the church of Corinth and he's, he's, he's elaborating. If you read the pretext, he's helping them understand all the glorious things that Jesus Christ has made available and possible for them as believers, as Christ followers. And the same is true for you and I today. And he, and he says, it's, there's so much of it. He said, I don't wanna hear you bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything is already yours as a gift. Paul, Apollos, Peter, these apostles who are teaching you and instructing you, the world, life, death, and catch this, the present, the future, all of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ who is in union with God. He says, all these spiritual blessings are yours. Every good and perfect thing that comes from above, it's yours through Christ. He says, all these things are yours. He says, the present and the future, they are yours. Once again, there's something that's missing. The past. He said, the present and the future, they belong to you. They're yours in Christ Jesus. He's with you in this moment. He's seeing you forward towards your future. But absent from the text is the past. The present, the future, they belong to you. Where's the past? It doesn't belong to you anymore. belongs to Jesus because he purchased it from you at the cross of Jesus Christ. He purchased it from you at Calvary. There was a transaction. You were redeemed. He came and he gave his life, shed his blood, and he took the pain of your past from you. It no longer belongs to you. The present, the future, they're yours. They belong to you. Quit trying to hold on to something that Jesus, quit trying to go and repossess something that Jesus has purchased from you. The past is missing. It doesn't belong to you. Jesus purchased it. Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. Why would you want to hold on? Why would you want to cling to? Why would you want to chase down someone that came to your garage sale and bought the old toaster or the old uh, uh, sport coat or whatever that someone came and bought. Listen, that, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the pain of my past talking right there. <laughs> but we do it all the time. I try to hang on or cling to or even return to because we're comfortable, because it's familiar, because it was that old trusted thing that kind of gave us our sense of identity, we try to cling to something that's killing us. And I'm telling you today, let it go. The past does not belong to you. Jesus purchased it at the cross of Calvary. And so listen, let's, let's, let's lay it down. Whatever it is for you, let's lay it down at the foot of Jesus. And let's do it right now, this moment, why wait? What better time than right now to say, Lord, that pain of my past, that hurt, that fear, that rejection, Whatever it is that, that has caused me to be hindered from moving forward in faith to the future you have for me today, I thank you that you're revealing it to me. And I say it all the time, it bears repeating. Anytime God reveals something in you, it's always because he wants to heal something for you. And I'm just telling you, if he's revealing something to you right now, it's because that's the very thing that you need to understand today. It no longer belongs to you. If it's tied to your past, it no longer belongs to you. Jesus purchased it from you. You were redeemed from it at the cross of Calvary. Right now, would you just begin? Come on, people, begin to bow your heads, close your eyes, begin to do business with God. Maybe you wanna lift your holy hands before the Lord like this. It's a posture I lead us to often because it's the international sign of surrender. And in that same posture, we're also presenting ourselves to receive. As God takes that pain, takes that fear, takes that rejection, takes your past. Today, you're presenting it, you're laying it down. I'm telling you, don't take it with you today. Leave it here for good. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to Jesus. 
He shed his precious blood for it. Quit trying to hang on to it. Lay it down and leave it right here at the foot of the cross. Don't take it with you today. There's a new day, there's a new freedom. Leave it here and no longer be tethered to or hindered by the pain of the past, the rejection of the past. And Lord, I just declare that in Jesus' name. I mean in bold faith. I declare that over every man, every woman, every marriage, every family, every relationship. We all have a past, Lord, and I thank you that that's what you came to do. You purchased it from us and it belongs to you now. We leave it, we lay it at the foot of the cross today. In faith, in faith, forgiveness right now. Some of you have been holding and harboring unforgiveness. Right now, just begin to just leave it. That doesn't belong to you. Jesus made a way, it belongs to him. Vengeance is his, it doesn't belong to you. When you forgive them, doesn't make them right, it just makes you free. Leave it here, don't take it with you, that doesn't belong to you. That grievance, that hurt, that wound, that pain, that area of unforgiveness, that does not belong to you. Leave it here at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Lord. Faith. To obey. And thank you on the other side of that obedience today and our response, Lord, there's a new level of freedom and victory that we're going to experience. I pray that, I declare that, we receive that. We're gonna walk in it, Lord. It's gonna make a difference. I'm telling you, some of you are about to begin to find, you're gonna begin to run a race with Jesus like you maybe never have before because you didn't even realize how much you were being held back or hindered by the weight of your past. And I'm telling you, it's broken today in Jesus' mighty name. You're gonna begin to run the race that God's called you to do. I I thank you, Lord, that as those things are laid down today, there's a fresh restoration of friendship, joy, and intimacy in marriages today in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, every issue, Lord, I don't know which one you're presenting before the Lord today, what area where where the enemy tried to to, to inflict you with that pain or rejection or whatever it is for you, but I, I know right now Jesus is dealing with it. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Before we worship and close our service today, We wanna give people that are far from Jesus the opportunity to say yes to him, to come home to him, to receive the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring us, the freedom that only Jesus can bring us. And if you're here today and maybe you once knew God, served God, maybe you once were in the church or grew up in the church, but you've drifted from God, you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, never experienced what it feels like to have him come into your life and lift off of you the weight of guilt and sin and shame and condemnation in a way that you could never do in your own strength and in a way that religion could never accomplish for you, but a relationship with Jesus through the cross of Jesus delivered to you. And if that's you, any one of those camps or anywhere in between, come on, don't wait. Right now, this is your moment. Lift your hand high towards heaven. Say, that's me, Jesus. I need you. I need your forgiveness. That's me, Jesus. I need to come home to my heavenly Father. I've drifted. I'm far from you. And today, I'm, I'm, I'm closing that gap by faith. I'm saying yes to you, Lord. And if you're online, I want to encourage you, even though you might be by yourself, it's powerfully important for you to maybe stand to your feet, lift your hand high towards heaven. You are not responding to a preacher or a pastor. You're responding to your heavenly father, and he's calling you home. And listen, with all those precious people who lifted their hands in this room and online, you can put your hands down if you lifted them. We're going to pray this prayer with those precious people. If you're part of this church family, you know what's coming. We do this for two reasons every week. And one is to quickly come alongside these people who are responding, saying yes to Jesus. And it's our way of affirming to them, there's a church family called Rev City Church that is quickly right now gonna come alongside you to begin to encourage you and minister to you and help you and strengthen you and comfort you and help you to discover the life that God has for you in your future. And the second reason is we pray it together 
Because even as we are growing in our faith, maturing in our faith, we realize and we recognize that we are still building our life on the grace of Jesus Christ. We never graduate from grace. So come on, pray it with me and pray it boldly. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could not pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, because of the risen life of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, say it one more time. I will never be the same. And then give the Lord a clap and a praise for the precious people who came home to Jesus today. Hey, come on, let's worship the Lord together one more time today.